Hey, everybody. Thank you for downloading episode 85 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hey, it's me, Hal. I'm doing my live show in Los Angeles, headcanon with Joseph Scrimshaw, this Friday, October 14th at the Nerd Melt Showroom, which is right in the back of Meltdown Comics. Tickets are still available. You can show up. They're only $10 at the door. We've got a great lineup of guests, including... Todd Cooper, The Thrilling Adventure Hour, Curtainier, Solomon Giorgio, and Josh Kagan. It's going to be a great time, so come see us. Also, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rating on iTunes. We really appreciate it. And now, without any further ado, here's episode 85 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best sense. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Hi, Hal. Hello, Mark. Are you excited today? I am excited. We are sitting across from each other. Yes. In, in a room. In Brooklyn, New York. That's right. At a table. Hey, there's people here at the table with us. Yes, our producer, Ken Plume, is live. Yeah. At first, the table. Hello, Ken. Live, uh, Hello. Live recording with Ken. Yes. And our very special guest today, Mr. David Reese. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks this is truly the first time you've ever recorded with Ken in the room? This is true. Wow. All right. This is, I feel like I'm part of a... Historical moment here. It is. All right. Yeah, this is podcast history being made right now by the four of us, mm-hmm. not just the three of us. And f- first time I've ever been a part of history. <laughs> not the last, I bet. No. Oh, I pray it is. This is my one. This is what, what I want my one historical legacy to be. You do. I I have a historical legacy for you. I've told you this before, but I want everybody in the podcast uh, listening community to hear it, which is uh, your show. Going Deep with David Reese, which was a brilliant show, taught me how to tie my shoelaces in a way where they do not come undone. And it was such a small, simple thing that I never knew that changed my life. Boom. Tagline for our TV show. I wish you were a network executive. <laughs> I keep sending in the applications through LinkedIn. Oh, really? He's accepting them. <laughs> that would be amazing. That's how it worked. Types 30 words per hour. Uh-huh. Knows Excel and Word. Mm, this guy might should be running CBS. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Microsoft Access proficient. Uh huh. Prodigy superstar. <laughs> but that's my childhood. Um, we are here today because Craig Rogers has asked us, which is the best sense? And when Craig Rogers asks you, which is the best sense, you sit down and you figure it out. Yes. So, so that's what we're here to do today. Do you feel up to it? Yeah, I'm ready. I have a, I've, I've been thinking about this. What What are your thoughts, just sort of off the bat? Is there how well, do you judge this really? First, as you know, you define your terms, and so I, what I would like—I don't know if it's Ken's job as producer or one of you knows—just an updated contemporary list of the senses. Because when I was a kid, like the, you know, how the food pyramid has changed since I was a, mm-hmm. when I was a kid. It was like just eat nothing but bread. Basically, was the yeah food the pyramid. whole bottom of the food yeah it was pyramid. nothing yeah. but grains and picture, carbs. It was always just like a, a yeah a cut out was, in the yeah. shape of the bottom of a pyramid, right. a trapezoid of a grains <laughs> close up. <laughs> yeah, but it's changed. I mean, I think kids today, and maybe this is, explains the rise of Trump and the wish to make America great again. Today's food pyramid is not the food pyramid that I grew up with. This whole world's gone topsy turvy. Yes. yes, 
And um, not my hashtag, not my food pyramid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And so, what are the senses? Oh, and I had another analogy I wanted to make, which was with taste. Do you remember when umami became a, a taste? Yeah. When yeah, I was a kid, sweet, salty, sour, bitter. That was right, it. and that was it. And then they started adding this foreign taste, umami, and now that's considered, I think, one of the tastes. Mm-hmm. So well, what? That's, that's science, though. That's like it's like actual taste. But buds, what right? is the taste of umami? I'm a little confused by that. Umami is the kind of it's it's interesting because it's um it's like the meaty kind of like deep thing that I associate mm-hmm. with my favorite food, nutritional yeast flakes. <laughs> <laughs> You ever put nutritional yeast flakes on popcorn? Yes. No. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what nutritional yeast flakes are. Really? Yeah. They're like uh, you get them at Whole Foods. It's or... a vegan. Oh, it's a that's vegan why I don't cheese. Know what they it's are. a vegan yeah. cheese substitute. Are you vegetarian or vegan? No, but I've gone through eras of being vegetarian and vegan, and so that's when I was introduced to nutritional yeast flakes. Street name for it includes Nooch and Nif NYF nutritional yeast flakes. <laughs> so it's like a it's like a flaky. Yeah, you know what? Actually, imagine Donald Trump's dandruff, oh, kind of an orangey, orangey, yellowy, flaky, flaky stuff, <laughs> and then and they sell it by the pound. <laughs> sure. And so, a lot of times, if you're lactose intolerant or you don't want to eat dairy for other reasons, you use it as like a Parmesan cheese substitute. It's no, I mean, you're never going to think you're eating Parmesan cheese, but it gives you kind of that. I don't know how to describe it's it. Text, it's get, yeah. the texture, a little bit of that richness. Yeah, right. It, the, it yeah. fills out the flavor. Yeah. And if you put enough of it on popcorn, it feels like you're just eating hamburger meat. It's the best. <laughs> so definitely. I feel that way about MSG. MSG yeah, is right. described to me as like pure umami. The different the the way to know what umami tastes like is it's the difference between eating vegetables that you steamed at home and vegetables that you get in a Chinese restaurant. There you go. Yeah. Okay. That difference in flavor is what umami is. Right. I'm still lost, but I I feel like I'm closer to what it is. So my answer is the best sense is umami. <laughs> <laughs> and I have no sense of umami, so I'm you in a lot of trouble. You were born without a sense of umami. Born, oh no. Yeah. Oh, you were telling me I, and I forgot that uh Mike Furman who composed our great theme song does not have the sense of smell. He has he no smell. idea what his theme song smells like. <laughs> He'll never know. One of those Which is really sad. Tragic ironies. And he yeah. won't believe you if you tell him yeah. what it smells. It smells like umami right, yeah. mixed with peppermint. So it has that nooch kind of smell. Has that nooch. Do you I, buy your nooch? When you call it nooch, do you have to buy it from a Ziploc bag in a briefcase wrapped in duct tape? You buy it on the street? Yeah, street corner nooch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uncut. It, totally uh, uncut. Cuffed to uh-huh. his wrist is cuffed yeah. to the briefcase. Uh-huh. When I want to put Nif on my popcorn, I put it in a spoon first, and then I use a lighter to heat it up into a liquid. <laughs> there, and then, and then put I put it in a syringe and then yeah, squirt it on the popcorn. And then I squirt it on top. That's great. <laughs> Um, okay, so we should probably establish what senses right. we're talking about. Hal and I were talking about this this morning. Um, I feel like there are the big five senses, but if you would like, we will also throw in sixth mm-hmm. and common. Oh. So what are the five senses? Okay, so the five senses would be sight, smell, mm-hmm. taste, touch, and hearing. Sound. What what if that list has changed? I think it has though. This is what I'm saying. I think they made um what's it called? Proprioception or the sense of um your inner ear stuff, the stuff that lets you know Balance? Yeah, I feel like that's a sense now. Okay. It's, again, I'm saying our childhoods are done. The world is different than the world oh, that we grew up in. Are we this splitting your hair is now a food plate? Yeah. Right. It's like a wheel. So it's balance and acceleration. And it's it's the vestibular nerve 
inside your ear. So that's that's the sense. And that oh, is- there is also thermo uh, thermoception. I think is the you name. See, of they'll it. let anything be a sense these days. Yeah, and that's yeah. a sense of heat and cold. But really, that's that's that's, that's touch. touch. That that's touch. kind of feel like that would touch. be folded into touch. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, there are so many different senses here. I'm seeing uh, proprioception, which yes. is the kinesthetic sense. Mm-hmm. That's the sense that your body knows where in space it is. Kind of, it's it's what lets you know mm-hmm. that your fingers are over here, even without looking at them. Okay. It's kind of a cool thing when you think about oh, it. Oh, that is pretty cool. Yeah. But that one, I feel like that one's easily deceived. Like... Like phantom like limb phenomenon? Kid, and you mm-hmm. do like the, okay, lay on the, do the arm thing. And right, right. Like your arms are going through the... Floor yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, that sense, these senses all seem like... But all... Like various se- colors that all use the red, yellow, and blue. Can't you fool every sense, though? Is there a sense that cannot be fooled? Like, you know, when you go to a Well, you certainly house, can't fool common sense, as this election has taught us. That's, that's true. Right. Can't fool common sense. There's no fooling common sense. No. <laughs> and there is an apostrophe there. That is not uh-huh. meant to have a G yeah. ever. Right. No hard Gs. Uh, but, like, you, your sense of touch, even, you know, when you go to those haunted houses as a kid, mm-hmm. you think that they're eyeballs. They're not. It's just grapes. Peeled, peeled grapes. Just yeah. peeled grapes. Good old-fashioned peeled grape fun. But a real – my school would do – uh, they would get like a whole cow tongue from a delicatessen and they'd be like, touch this tongue. And it wouldn't be like a zombie. It would just be like, hey, now you have to touch this gross cow's tongue <laughs> that we bought and we can't, it's not like we're going to wash it off and eat it afterwards. Right. It's the giant veiny tongue underneath a cloak. Why wouldn't they wash it off and eat it? Up? And why hide it under because a cloak? I mean, just because you you reach your hands in to feel it. Yeah, sure, but I feel like what it. would truly be disturbing is to be like, we bought a cow's tongue. Touch it, children. <laughs> I mean, like, we are your teachers. We are your authority figures. <laughs> Make we Tommy kiss it. Kiss yeah, it, Tommy. Right. And the only reason for the cloak in the first place was so that kids wouldn't see that it was spaghetti and right. Of course, because no if one's you right. actually have a tongue. Yeah. Don't hide that light under a bushel. Yeah, the that's Bible true. Yeah, us. you should just have it right out there. Right. And make them look at it. What were the other th- – I can't remember what – I only remember peeled grapes. Peeled oh, grapes no, and spaghetti. Spaghetti, spaghetti was, was, a big one. was yeah. brains? Was that brains? Uh, I, think it, I think that was just general A guts. witch's hair. It was like we touched the uh, witch's oh, hair. Ugh, yeah. The pumpkin guts were another one that that's a good one, that yeah. we used yeah. at my school. But like – you, as a kid, you pull your hand back and you're like, you aren't fooling me. This is covered in orange pumpkin right. guts yeah. now. I smell like pumpkin now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is there hand sanitizer or a wet wipe anywhere? I have to go through the rest of this thing with pumpkin hand. <laughs> are, are there any senses that we can eliminate right away? Are there any senses as that... As not the best? Yeah. I mean, like, common sense, I think, is fun and cute, but I don't know if that's the best sense. Because... Look, it's, it's not the most important, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Of course you don't. I would eliminate. <laughs> I, I would eliminate common sense. Yeah, as an elitist, I would get rid of it immediately. Okay, and I would also get rid of smell. Really? Well, Mike. In the solidarity with Mike. Yeah, Mike Furman has proved that you can thrive without a sense of smell. That's true. Yeah. The thing I find interesting, and maybe this will factor into our discussion, is how would you describe? a sense to someone who doesn't have that sense. I'm sure there's a long tradition and probably a lot of literature about this. But there like, is a great scene in the movie Mask. Have you guys seen the movie Mask, the Eric Stoltz movie? Oh, yeah. Sure. There's a scene where he is. Is it Helen Hunt that plays the uh, the blind woman? And he's describing what colors are to her. So oh. he hands her a cotton ball and says, that's white. Uh-huh. Hands her uh, a cold stone and it's uh, – or like a piece of ice and says, that's blue. Hands her something hot and says, that's red. Oh, he burns her hand. Yeah, with, burns with her open hand. flame. Yeah, with yeah. that thing from um, from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is red. 
<laughs> Never touch red. Synesthesia, isn't that what it? That's when you can taste colors and mm-hmm. and hear. But how do you smells? How, and how stuff? can we know? I, and this is like this is my freshman year philosophy class mm-hmm. kicking in, and it, and it's an extension of the idea of what you say. We, we may both say that. That something is salty, that a pretzel tastes salty. Mm-hmm. But what my you're talking is, about the inverted spectrum problem, yes. the famous thought experiment. Yes. How do we know that when I see Ken's sweatshirt and I say it's red, and you agree and say it's red, how will we ever know if what we're actually describing as red is the same inside our head, so to speak? Right. You might see it as blue, but in your mind, blue is red. Exactly. Is that what right. led to that dress debacle? The uh, mm-hmm. is it black and blue or red and yellow or white and yellow? Yeah, it's blue and gold, or black, white and, and gold, or yeah, blue and right. You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a thought experiment published by UC Berkeley philosophy department, and everybody fell for it. Was it really? No. <laughs> See, and then I fell <laughs> for that. Yeah. That was the tail end of the Stanford prison experiment. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they made them look at a dress. All right, so we're eliminating the sense of smell. Mm-hmm. The sense of smell, though, uh, I will give shout out to the sense of smell for its uh, its connection to nostalgia. Do you guys feel the same? Absolutely. Yeah. You know what? That's something I hadn't thought about. That and that and that I believe is be- it sounds so like crazy or something they would have thought back in the Middle Ages. But I think the reason that smell more than anything else triggers intense feelings of nostalgia is just because. The smell area of the brain is right next door to the memory area of the brain. And so it's there's that simple. I feel like it it's is, that dumb. It is pure proximity. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're neighbors. So, of course, when you smell like I have that, I don't know, once or twice a month, I'll smell something that will just give me a rush of like nostalgia in a nice way. So mm. that is true. I, I, I second your shout out to smell before we yeah. well, I also throw think it into the ocean. It, Aside from it just being next door to the to where the memory is, in order to smell something, you have to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it literally gets inside your nose. Yeah, Yeah. that's what smell is. So the nostalgia is going to be more uh, more intense. If if, you know, if I'm remembering a movie that I saw when I was a kid, I'm not going to remember it as well as a house I visited as a kid. Yeah, that's true. Same for taste, though. Those that requires I tasted a house as a kid that I still remember. You still remember the taste of that front door. Yeah, and the right before that witch tried to throw me in that cauldron, but But the the, house was delicious. The difference when it comes to these memory things is the taste is usually tasting something is usually the result of a deliberate action on your part where you have put something in your mouth. Smell, you just walk down the street, you don't know what you're going to smell. You have no control over it. It's just creeping up in your nostrils. It's passive. And that's what can make the nostalgia so unexpected and so emotionally powerful. Mm -hmm. It's like you're just walking down the street minding your own business and then all of a sudden you're taken back to whatever. Like my preschool, the preschool that I went to when I was a kid had a very distinct kind of musty, bready kind of smell Mm -hmm. that... It doesn't sound great on paper, but mm-hmm. uh, when I, whenever I smell that smell, it's just like, oh my gosh! Like, is it like, have you been back there, or you've smelled it other places? Well, I worked there in high school. I went back and worked there, and it still smelled the same. And then over the decades since then, I've I smell the same smell every once in a while. It's probably a mixture of like cheap bread, bleach, poopy diapers, <laughs> the woods because yep. it was right next to yeah. the woods, and then just like old church function rooms that blue right. smell for me some for some reason always takes me back to somewhere swimming yeah. pool as a kid because the chlorine just smells the same uh yeah like the ca- school cafeteria this yep. was you know this was back in the day when nobody used the uh 
organic, uh, fancy right. food. Right. Huh. Children were encouraged to play with... had rings on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's when bleach was real bleach. There, there is like a... There is something to that sense memory of smell. Even if a smell is bad, it's like when I smell the Jersey Shore, which has a distinct, strong, and not necessarily pleasant odor, it reminds me of going there as a kid. So when I smell – when I get that sort of diseased ocean smell, it makes me think <laughs> of childhood. And and I think you could furthermore probably blindfold someone and put them – like we know what a library smells like, even if it doesn't look like a conventional library. You know that – Another great smell, smell yeah. Um, yeah. Another great smell. You know what a hospital smell. smells like. like yeah. It's that unpleasant – and horrible smell. Feelings. Horrible smell. We all know what our classroom smelled like, what our homes smelled like. Yep. Yeah. Probably if we went to a friend's home a lot, like you know that smell. And mm-hmm. you like you could walk into a house and know if they have a cat or a dog generally by the mm-hmm. smell. Now I don't want to get rid of smell. Well, it's hard to get rid of. It's not we don't have to eliminate them right off the yeah. bat. We can we can figure out which ones we wanna keep around. All right, keep it for now, okay. if that's all right. Can, yeah. can we transition into uh, sound? Because I will say may- maybe the strongest connection I have is if I hear the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood theme song, it it makes me hungry because it came on right before dinner. So as a kid, when Mr. Rogers was on and I watched as a really small child, I knew that – Classic was, operant yeah. conditioning at work. Exactly. Uh-huh. That's But but it's the, the sound triggers the memory of the smell – which makes me think it's almost dinner time because it's the smell of my mother's cooking. Oh. So it, but it all starts a domino effect. But I have to, he- but I have to hear it first. That's the trigger. If I smell food being cooked that's similar to what my mother cooked, I'll go, oh, that that kind of smells like it. But that it it it's tied in by the sound. The sound's very important. Mm-hmm. What what kind of food was your mom cooking? She made a roast beef stew. She mm-hmm. made fish sticks, um, chicken. It was ve- like, or we would have like Chinese food from Lychee Garden. Uh-huh. Shout out to the, that now closed restaurant uh-huh. in Northeast Philadelphia who can no longer get anybody's business. Um, but it was like, it wasn't even a wide varied menu. Probably this, I tie it to the stew the most, which she probably didn't even make the most, but that's my strongest. Right. Like my, maybe it my favorite meal from thing, childhood. Yeah, that doesn't have to be the meal that, uh, that is the most common. For me, it's my mom's Thanksgiving stuffing is the smell that I most closely associate with her cooking. Right. But that was annual. Oh, I'm trying to think if I can answer this question. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you another in the meantime. When okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was in high school, if I was stressed out, I, w- I would turn to one of two things. One would be turning on uh, Temple University's jazz radio station. Because just listen to you. it was relaxing. Yeah. I was Dang. a very a right. of brandy. Uh-huh. I did not date. I did <laughs> listen to jazz. And um the other was putting on the joy of painting with Bob Ross. His mm-hmm. voice I calms fall me down. Asleep to that frequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is my and and I if I need to just I was when I was doing those audiobooks, the like this zombie series of audiobooks that was super intense. That's how I would calm down at the end of Watch um, Bob Ross. As I would watch Bob Ross I'm like, "Oh, yeah. Everything is good in the world. People don't have to worry about people problems. Let's just look at the mountains and they're Maybe a cabin there, but usually it's just just the land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Bob Ross. Yeah, he's just calming, and that's mm-hmm. the the music comes on. That. Doo, 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 doo. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a waiting room. He's mm-hmm. calming you down, <laughs> and he's an interesting guy because he was, I think, um, either a sergeant or he was captain, in the mil- he was in the military, and he yeah. yelled at people mm-hmm. for for years and years. So when mm-hmm. he when he left the military, he said, "I'm never going to yell again." Mm-hmm. Yep. Very intriguing person. Yeah. Keep him on the list too. 
Great. One of the best senses. <laughs> Sense of Ross. Sense of Ross. We keep which involves feeding squirrels that come into uh-huh. your yard. Yeah, a little baby oh. squirrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, he would cut to clips of him feeding baby squirrels. Yeah, he had them in the yeah. studio sometimes, and what? they would sit in his like breast pocket. Belly. Look, <laughs> looky here, at this little squirrel. Mm-hmm. We found him in the backyard. Look at him. I'm gonna feed him with this dropper. Okay, I'm gonna hand him like, and then I don't know where he hand. If he put him in like a pen with other squirrels that were just trying to break out. Yeah, yeah. The he squirrels did, had to be captured. That. He took him and he was like, "All right, we're gonna take that." <laughs> did that little thing that he always did with his brushes. <laughs> Clean that squirrel. Look at that. Just beat the devil yeah, out of him. Just beat the devil out of him. Oh, that's my favorite part. <laughs> he did a lot of service to the possessed squirrel community. It's not talked about among his many um, charitable endeavors. All right, are we, let's move on to uh, – are we moving on to uh, well, sound? I mean, do you, yeah. Do you feel we like sound – coming back to um, – The sense of hearing? Yeah. That's on my short list. Yeah. I think that's really important to me. I think – because one way to think about it is obviously like if you had to get rid of all the senses, which is the one you would keep. Right. And I think the one that's most useful and in terms of – well, touch is pretty useful, but – Right. Just in terms of navigating throughout the world – I think I'd much rather have my sense of hearing than my sense of sight. Really? And I think I would much rather still be able to hear music than still be able to look at a painting or look at TV. Like, I could still get a lot out of entertainment. By I, I understand the, the music part, because mm-hmm. that is very important, and the sort of the joys of life. But you think that it would be more useful if traveling the world, it would be more useful to have your sense of sound than your sense of sight? Yes. And again, you should fact check this and it might be a controversial <laughs> statement. We never but I, check anything. That's what Kate McMahon is. I, I remember reading that when it comes to people who cannot hear versus people who cannot see, being deaf is, is, there's a much higher correlation with mental health issues and depression. And I'm really? totally just speaking from what I imagine my experience would be. It's mm-hmm. easy for me to imagine that if I was in a social situation or walking down the street and I could see things but not hear them, ironically, I feel like that would be much more distancing and alienating than walking down the street and hearing things but not seeing them. Yeah, I, okay. I mean, I could, I could imagine that being the sense. I think, I, the, the case, I think hearing gives you a more accurate sense of distance and how mm-hmm. close things are to you. And it's, it's a little bit of and it's stereo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, there's that. And then also when I think about, I don't know, this is, this is maybe a dumb way to think about it, but when I just think about, uh, accomplished people, like musicians, there are plenty of musicians who haven't been able to see, but have just seems like just had amazing, extraordinary. And obviously, there's plenty of people who can't hear who've had amazing, accomplished lives. But when I just think about like what my like role models are, or what I imagine it would being like, right. what it would be like, I think it would be much easier for me to cope if I could hear but not see, rather than the other way around. So yeah. I think hearing is. Maybe my one. I think it's probably the best sense. Wow. Wow. Well, what else is it? What are you going to pick? Here's a, here's a a (laughs) thing. The sense of, uh, the sense of sight, the sense of hearing, you can live without. You cannot live without a sense of touch. You would have no pain receptors. You would have no, your body would never have a sense of when it was in danger. Uh, I've never seen any, the only, the only uh, example of a person who's lost their sense or doesn't have a sense of touch that I have seen was on some talk show years ago. It was like, uh, Oprah or, uh, Dr. Phil or one of those about 10 years ago. 
And it was a little girl who had no sense of touch, and her parents were mortified. They had her in mittens. Permanent. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she was just like, oh, what's this? And she tried to pop her eye out one day. Right, right. Um, because there's no sense of what danger is. So that, the, as far as like, if you had to lose one, I feel like the absolute last one to lose would be the sense of touch. Okay. Now you're putting yourself in a Helen Keller type situation. So you think you, I mean, don't think about it in terms of actual just survival. Think about it in terms of quality of life. Yeah. No sight, no hearing, no taste, no smell, but you still have your sense of touch. You think you're going to be happier than if you lose your sense of touch, cover yourself in mittens and blankies, but you can still hear things. You can still have a conversation with people. You know what I mean? Right. That's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, there are tons of people who are way more, I mean, like, deaf people are super functional and can operate every day, day to day, no problem. Blind people, the same, I mean, you know, there are, there are accommodations that can be made to help them overcome what might be a challenge otherwise. And they're perfectly capable and, and have other heightened senses, not even Daredevil style, but, but in actuality, their other senses are, are making up for it. If you want to deal with Daredevil, sense, I'm sorry. Is he so blind? Daredevil is blind, okay, blind okay. but he has sonar. So essentially through got it. like okay. a bat, he can see everything. Got it. Okay. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. No, no. no. I'm always happy to talk about Daredevil. Okay. <laughs> Available now on Netflix, seasons one and two. They're not paying us. Okay. I just want people to see it. Um, <laughs> but I, if, if all I had was touch, that would, or, or that was the one that was taken away, or it, that's like, it just seems ridiculous. Like you have to be protected all the time. This little girl for her, for the entirety of her life has to have mittens and gloves on because she doesn't have a sense of touch. But on the flip side, if that was all that she had, I think this is also because she was a toddler. Right, right. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, did I not say that part? No. <laughs> no. You said Listen, if you lost girl, your sense but... of touch today, you would have enough sense to be like, I probably shouldn't I, pull my eye out. Yeah, right. Yeah. And like open flame, I'm going to stay away from it. You'd be careful. If you're born. And I have a second question about this little girl. Mm-hmm. Did she not have proprioception? That's different, though. Basically, right. what you're saying is her skin didn't work, right? Like yeah, the her sense, se- her okay, physical sense of right. touch and her but she curiosity knew as a three year old. Right. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's gonna be rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's totally. also All a right. sense of like adult pleasures. I'm gonna guess right. that most of our audience is over three years old, so we'll never have these problems uh, with. The pain and the danger. And All right. We hope. So, we hope. So uh, Ken is here for the first time. So Ken, uh, just scratch that last 15 minutes or so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ken's recording. Oh, we haven't been re- recording this whole time. This is a good dry run. I feel like I know what I'm going to say now. Okay. So fantastic. we can start recording whenever you want. And action. Hey, everybody. Uh, we're here right now. I want to talk about the sense of sight. Okay. Because... On the one hand, I would hate to be without it. On the other hand, I feel like I could be without it. Oh, yeah, it totally. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I disagree. I don't think I could. I, I, I have the utmost respect and admiration for blind people who can, uh, navigate their way without their sense of sight. I, I don't think I could do it. It's that to me is the most important. Why is that? What? Sense of sight. I am not alone in this. Really? Yeah. You are in this room. Science in in science, you guys did a little research. In okay. science, eighty percent of uh, the impressions that your brain receives 
of the senses that it see that it gets and processes come from your sense of sight. That is, you are losing 80% of the input. Yeah, but remember what will happen. Your brain and will adapt and you'll, and you'll, and you'll become better and more efficient at reading the inputs that come once you've lost that your sense of very sight. True. The daredevil yeah. effect. Sure. Thank you. Right? Yes. Are we, cause that we're calling it now seasons one and two available on Netflix? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, we are. Daredevil. Why don't they pronounce it that way? Daredevil? Daredevil. Somebody should. <laughs> Where's that daredevil? Marvel's Daredevil. <laughs> Dare that, that's, a, that's a German yeah. uh, that's Dare a devil. German movie. Yeah. Dare devil. Dare devil is here. I love the angel as well. Yeah. The good. The angel, the devil. That represents the good and the bad on your shoulders. Mm. Um, don't you think? All right, so the, in in science, as you said, mm-hmm. it's eighty uh, percent. Does that same study say if somebody is is seeing impaired or, or sight impaired or or totally blind? Where that eighty percent goes? Does it just does it like now? I'm only getting twenty percent of the input somebody else would get, or have I figured out? Like I, I uh, right now I can see around this room. Mm-hmm. I can see a counter. I can see chairs. If I were blind, I could feel around the room and get the same sense. I wouldn't know what color things are, but I would know the shape mm-hmm. and I would know the material that it's made of. It's just about seeing the world. You'd see the world if you. And I think a big part of it too is if you've been blind since birth, or yeah, absolutely, of course, yeah, um, yeah. I feel. I feel bad because what started as a what is the best sense uh, has become an episode of which is it worse to be blind or deaf? Well, I think people have a lot of anxiety about their senses, yeah. you know, because right. it is it is kind of well, for some senses, it's easy to imagine what it would be like to lose it. And for other ones, I think it's harder. It's hard for me to imagine what it would be like to not have a sense of touch, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I could just wrap myself up in mittens and then I would know. Sure. But uh yeah, I think there's a lot, you know, it's very precious to have these things. And, and many of the organs that provide these senses are extremely, uh, vulnerable. Speaking of someone who used to work for an eye surgeon, you have to understand. Really? For an eye surgeon? Yeah, I worked for the head of the cornea department at the Harvard Medical School. How what did you, you not do? The sight guy on this panel. Because, like, man, we cut through so many eyeballs oh, and God. blinded <laughs> so many people. And it was just like, no biggie, you know, like, you know, <laughs> what did you do? I you, don't know. What was your job function when you were working? My job was I would my job title was study coordinator. So he was running a lot of clinical trials. Uh, he was really big into um, we're really going to get into it. He was really into matrix metalloproteinase expression and corneal wounding. So scratches on the cornea and damage to the cornea. He was interested in, uh, in terms of especially refractive surgery. This is back when LASIK was really taking off, you know, the, to get rid of your glasses. But he was one of the guys who was – he was one of the early guys from the RK surgery, radial keratotomy, which was when they would just do it with a knife. Right. right? Yeah. Cut yeah, open yeah. a flap or make slits in the eye and reshape the cornea and all that it's stuff. Funny, that word I have not heard in a very long time because I guess LASIK. LASIK, yeah, killed. Yeah. Killed PRK, killed photorefractive keratectomy, radial keratotomy. I might, I might be misremembering these terms. This was a long time ago. That's okay. To me right now, most of that just sounds like the major general song. <laughs> Pirates of Penzance. Uh, and, um, yeah, so it was a lot of, but he also had a, uh, just a cataract surgery practice and so i would order um you know schedule surgeries order um corneal tissue from the recently deceased from a tissue bank um help help brush up the language on the articles that his international research fellows were writing for like medical so you were journals so you were ordering dead eye tissue 
And at the same time, fixing the grammar on his articles. Yeah, it was kind of like a his guy Friday type of. You were like <laughs> Igor. Yeah. You get you got like cadaverous. Yeah, like, I guess that's one way to eyeballs. think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, you were you were part Igor, part Watson. Yeah, that makes right. sense. And yeah. all David. And all daredevil. All daredevil. daredevil. So anyway, I came to really appreciate the eye and how complicated it is. And so I think, yeah, when you talk about sight, for a lot of people, it does provoke a little bit of anxiety. Because they also just seem like two, like, super vulnerable points on your face. Yeah. No, totally. Like, you have to close them to sneeze. Like, they are, that is. Yeah. They can't even handle a common sneeze. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sense of touch. These hands, these hands can do anything except more than like three pull-ups. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I, I think, um, I, I just want to point out in the media, in film and television, whenever mm-hmm. somebody's is, for, or oftentimes if there's a blind character or a deaf character, they're there to teach us that it's not so bad mm-hmm. being deaf or being blind. And essentially, Hoo-ah! this whole this whole episode is three guys mansplaining senses yeah, to people who absolutely sense right. deprived. So I want everybody. But I don't think there are a lot of deaf people. Yeah. that know our show. Well, you know, everybody, take a second. Even the deaf people who are listening, I know you're out there. I know you can hear, you can feel the vibrations of my voice. So I'm going to get a little closer, and we're going to take a brief break so that you can hear about some of the other great shows on the Maximum Fun Network. And when we come back, we're going to. Plow through the rest of the senses, and we're going to pick the best one. Are you easily confused by terms like cultural appropriation, cisgender, and woke? Or maybe you find yourself constantly explaining terms like these, and you need a place to vent. Do you have a love for all things pop culture, social commentary, and politics? Sounds Sounds like like you you need need Minority Corner. Corner. Where you can learn, laugh, and play. Sounds like Blue's Clues. Only it's more black, gay, and ladylike. James and Aneke will happily administer your weekly dose each and every Friday. You can listen on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Minority Corner. With a K. Because the C was taken. Hi, I'm comedian Emily Heller. And I'm cartoonist Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. Do you want to learn weird new facts? Do you like hearing successful creative women talk about their poop? Do you want the scoop on Martha Stewart's pony? If you answered yes to any of these questions, our show is for you. We interview people like Paul F. Tompkins, Kristen Shaw, Michael Che, and more. So check us out on Maximum Fun. And let us mess up your brain. Yes, please. Baby Geniuses, we know everything. Baby Geniuses, tell us something we don't know. And, and we're, we're back. back. We did it at the same time. That we did. Because we finished each other's sentences. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. I wasn't going to say sandwiches. No. Because that joke was forever taken by Frozen. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. You know. That joke's retired. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's get into the more positive attributes of each of the five senses. Okay. Let's look at the pros of them. We're look, we're, we've been looking a lot at the cons of not having them. Sure. Um, and sort of the, the, we've Tuesday been, we've series. been looking at the trauma of losing them rather than the pleasure of enjoying them. Very sure. True. Okay. So let's focus on what we love about these senses. Oh, well, let's talk about taste then. Oh, like to have a well cooked meal. The, the, the taste of something is so enticing that you will make a bad decision health wise for the, <laughs> for the moments of pleasure you receive from eating something. Do we all agree to that? Yeah. Yeah. But I can take or leave taste. Really? Taste I, is I not, think. it's not where most of it happens. It's mostly smell. 
True. If your nose is if your nose is pinched and it you, doesn't taste uh, good. you are given was it like an apple and a uh, an apple and a potato? You can't tell the difference. Or was, there was some sort really? of um, and also at high altitudes in airplanes, taste is compromised. That's why food always tastes so horrible on airplanes. Oh, really? yeah. do you hear that, Jerry Seinfeld? There's the question. Decades of stand-up comedy destroyed. We did it. That's <laughs> the a deal. single statement about the sense of taste operating at high altitudes. I do remember the first time I visited my uh, future in-laws at the time. I got really, really sick. I had like a flu or something. And my nose was so stuffed I couldn't taste anything. So we had lasagna, which my wife makes fantastic lasagna, which she learned from her mother. Her mother made lasagna and had mistakenly put spearmint in it. Instead of Italian seasoning, she'd reach for the wrong thing. And I couldn't taste it. So I was just going, this is great. This is really great. This tastes she thought you were exactly uh, like patronizing her. She I mean, she was mortified. She remains mortified about it to this day. (laughs) I'm here to say, Janet, you are a world class uh chef cook. A southern mother screwing up a dish that badly is a lifetime of shame. Yes. But I couldn't tell the difference because because of my nose. I also couldn't taste the really great steaks that my brother in law made that I like I knew were were really good. They were go- yeah, they were peppermint steaks <laughs> with uh, with yif all over them or nif nif <laughs> nif. It had nif all over it. Yeah, nif. They were great. I got some street grade nif. What else do you put nif on? Other than popcorn. Other than popcorn. Just what do you got, man? S- I put it on kale? everything. Put it on yeah, kale I put it on salads all the time. I gotta go get put it some, on some of this rice stuff. and that beans. Means I have to go to Whole Foods. No, you can get it at any kind of like vaguely hippie. All right. Grocery store. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to jump back 30 no, minutes. You're in Brooklyn. Just say I need some NIF and like 12 hands will reach out with a giant <laughs> yeah. sack of it for Our you. Most of the ice cream trucks sell it out of the back. You just have to order <laughs> off menu. <laughs> yeah. That special bike messenger service where uh-huh. the ladies delivered in backpacks so they're not suspicious. Now, would you keep the sense of taste over the sense of like food texture and food temperature? I would because there are foods I don't eat just because of the of the texture that I probably would eat otherwise. Whoa, really? There's yeah, foods you like uh, the taste of but not the texture of? I might like the taste of it if the texture didn't turn me off so much. Like mushrooms, I kind of don't like the taste. The Whoa. texture bothers me. Wow. Especially when they're cooked. They just, uh, my experience with them as a kid w- was they, that they were slimy and gross. Right. Do you not like eating raw chicken? <laughs> no, I love raw chicken. Well, then you should like mushrooms. The same thing. But that I just gnaw. Mushrooms on. are known as the raw chicken of the earth. <laughs> really? Well, yeah. now I have to revisit them. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it, can I just sit there and chew on it like I do, like gnaw on it like I do with the raw chicken? You should treat a mushroom exactly the same way you treat a piece of raw chicken. That's a good lesson for all the kids out there. Uh-huh. Treat every mushroom as you would raw chicken. Uh huh. Exactly. So really wash your hands well if you touch a mushroom. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Before totally. and after. Yeah. And pick all the feathers off. <laughs> but that's one that I didn't like onions for. I, I like onions cooked, but not raw. Cause the, for some reason, the- I had some raw onions on a sandwich yesterday afternoon and it took me about 12 hours to, to get over it. Get right. I can't yeah. do that. Yeah. It's such a powerful experience. It gets, it's like garlic. It gets in mm. your skin. Yeah. yeah. Like all over. Do you and like dries you out? It's amazing. But raw celery is somewhat similar. It's not as uh as slimy. It's a, it's a drier, but it's got that really strong crunch. You don't like raw celery? What? I'm okay with it, but I feel like when most people eat raw celery, they're putting something on it. Like I'm filling it with peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Or I'm putting a bunch of salt on it right. to offset everything else about it. My girlfriend and I were recently trying to come up with what fruit or vegetable we were most like, and we decided that I am celery. Why really? is that? Is it because you're tall? 
I think it's because I'm tall and kind of narrow and kind of fibrous and acerbic and like not a lot of fun and like people associate with me out of a sense of duty and like obligation rather than like you know what I mean and kind of bitter I think the bitterness is a big part of it you're and your like, friend's diet friend yeah kind of some David Reese. well it's like well we're gonna have a great party we'll invite all these fun people and then we should probably also invite David it's like when you have like <laughs> probably have a plate of celery out among all this brie and crackers and stuff you know and then it just goes untouched throughout the party <laughs> oh I'm so sorry I'm glad we're going through the positive parts of all of these sentences. I know I'm sorry <laughs> sorry do you want to lay down on the couch and talk yeah. a little more about it <laughs> no what, I like celery what I mean, is- <laughs> <laughs> yeah what is your girlfriend? Uh, what vegetable was she or fruit? I think we decided apple. Oh. Yeah. Crisp and refreshing? Crisp and refreshing. Yeah. Crisp and refreshing. Little stem on top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Delicious when c- covered in caramel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Universally you liked. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. Has never All been American. to a doctor. Never been to a doctor. No. <laughs> may or may not have worms living inside, but if they are, they're friendly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And they have little glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Razor blades hidden inside of her. <laughs> <laughs> Offered to teachers as a as a peace gift, uh-huh. peace offering. Yeah, as a peace offering to teachers. To yeah, I don't want taste. Grades. I could lose taste. I think uh, I'm with you on taste. Actually, yeah. David. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of can't tell how I feel about food. Really? I'm. I if you that I disagree with. I'm a hundred percent for. Food. You like eating food? I, I mean, I, I like it, and like I eat a lot of it. Um, I will. I'll do it when I'm bored for no other reason. Oh yeah, bored or sad. Two great reasons to eat. Yeah. Yep. Or stressed. Or or stressed is another great reason. Those are my three great uh, bored, sad, and stressed. Bored, sad, and stressed. My journey with food. Yeah. (laughs) Available now in Bantam Books. Right. Yeah. Just on my way over here, I was. I never used to. Well, I always have said I don't have a sweet tooth, but I think I actually do have a sweet tooth. And on my way over here, I went to get a cup of coffee, and I was like, maybe I should get a almond croissant. I started eating so many almond croissants recently. Really. Um, like like crushed almonds on the outside yeah like and then the they have that paste almond paste in the middle it's Ooh. incredible yeah and uh but i just had a banana and i was like i didn't feel hungry and i was kind of like yeah but it would taste so good and i could show up and like we'd be bantering before we started recording and i'd just be picking at this almond croissant and like everything would smell so good like almonds <laughs> and croissants and then but and then i have to say to my credit I was like you know what if you're not hungry don't don't do it yeah don't get the almond croissant that's the first time in a Two months I've been able to make that decision. Like, I've eaten a lot of almond croissants recently. Yeah. I've probably eaten more almond croissants in the last two months than I've eaten in my entire life. You know wow. when that happens yeah. and you just get obsessed with a food? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You go to like, a I'm about to go so ham on these, on these almond croissants. You know, yeah. like when yeah. I, I do the same thing with music, I find a song and I fixate on it and I listen to it like a hundred, two hundred times. Just to, so you know every word. Something about every... it. It's just working and it's like you want to keep, it's like a rat. Just hit, you're hitting that thing to get the pellet over and over and over again. That's where I am right now with almond croissants. Anyway, it's a little fun fact about me. Yeah, I no, I I am very much like you, and I have a love hate relationship with food. Like I, the food that I love should be the food that I hate, and the food that I hate should be the food that I love. Like right? Food should be in in essence what it is at a at a very base level is it's fuel. So you should be putting the right fuel in the tank so that you can move forward. But we've Expanded into this sort of Dionysian or oh here we go yeah, yeah. Dionysian yeah. Like, pleasure dome of, Epi- like, Epicurean yeah, even the, yeah the food must taste wonderful hedonist, yeah. I, yeah there's a hedonism around food where yeah, totally. it has to taste great like yeah I want the 
Whopperito or or whatever that cheesy core burrito like the, just the worst or the or the Taco Bell uh the Taco Bell breakfast taco which is a biscuit shaped like a taco yeah really I mean it's yeah. just oh, but you clever. you hear it you go mm, okay oh well uh you everybody says like oh a Dorito shell taco that sounds gross what they're really thinking is oh a Dorito shell taco I'm gonna try that in a neighborhood where nobody knows me oh <laughs> so I can't, right. it can't be yeah traced back to me i'm gonna go on the other side of the tracks yeah and, and dose up on these dorito tacos <laughs> never seen that dorito taco guy before but for all the pleasure i've taken in food over the years and i have taken my fair share of food pleasures mm-hmm. i kind of feel like te- i mean taste is good but i do feel like a lot of it is the texture yeah you know i feel like texture is kind of underappreciated and food science obviously especially in the last i guess few decades has become so professional they talk about um What's it called? It's a great, there's a great food industry term. Mouthfeel? Well, there's mouthfeel, but it's when, it, I think it's called the bliss point or the ecstasy point. There's some technical term, which is mm-hmm. like basically, basically encapsulated in a, the modern Dorito. It is the perfect amount of crunchiness. It is yeah. the perfect amount of sweetness and saltiness. Right. I think they call it, and the reason I know about this is because they also talk about it in pop songs now, right. where a pop song just has everything. It's just so, it, it's like chemical lizard brain, perfectly engineered and designed by real professionals to produce a feeling of absolute satisfaction and also simultaneously like craving for more. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think in food science, I think it's called the bliss point. It's a famous, I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah. Thumbs up from Ken. Yeah. Thumbs up from Ken on Bliss Point. And but so what I'm saying is that Bliss Point is not just due to flavor or taste. It texture is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's nothing to me more satisfying than two Pringle chips spooned together, you know. Sure. Like like to where they could look like one from a distance. Yeah, exactly. No, not I don't like that style. No. It's can't. like two as one. The beast mm-hmm. with two backs, as sure. Shakespeare put it, right? Yes. That is the perfect amount. <laughs> what exactly the, are these Pringles doing? The perfect. They're about to f- in my mouth. That's what they're doing. <laughs> French onion dip. Okay. That's the perfect texture. Yeah. You know what? You understand what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? It's like. Mm, it it's the, just crunchy enough, but it's just crispy enough. The individual yeah. Pringles are crispy enough. Right. But they don't yeah, have. It's not quite. So maybe actually it's a design flaw in Pringles. Or maybe it's deliberate so that you mm-hmm. get through a can twice as fast as you would otherwise. Right. Celery has the same kind of perfect texture, I think. I, that's. Uh, let me yeah. give you Celery's another one. Boring at parties. <laughs> Here's another perfect bite. I think. Uh huh. You get, go to Doritos, just a nacho cheese Dorito, a normal one, and they always have one in the bag that's sort of curled up, so it's forming like a cone. Uh huh. Right. And in that cone, you pro- you place one or two peanut M and M's. Oh do, wait, no! Do it. Disgusting. Don't make. Don't. What? Why? How could you? It's great. I do. Yeah. It's I do so good. That. I mean, it's, it's a- so good. My first reaction was, huh? But yeah. then I go, you know what? I've had mm-hmm. like potato chip chocolate before. And- yeah. I didn't get this body by doing sit-ups. Follow me. <laughs> Follow me to the promised land. My attitude is always like, eat Doritos or eat M&Ms, but don't eat M&Ms inside Doritos. That's wow. always been your philosophy. Yeah. Ever since I was a kid. Yeah. Totally. Ever since you were back at that bread bleach school. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. <laughs> you were led astray as a child, I think. You think? I think I don't so. like that. I don't like... It freaks me out when things get mixed up. What is, what is <laughs> the maximum level of uh, um, of odd taste pairing that you can tolerate? Whoa, that's a good question. 
Thank you. The maximum level of odd taste pairing I can tolerate. Well, I will tell you the thing. I will tell you some of the food choices I've made in my life that other people have not understood. Okay. Okay. Number one, in middle school, buying matzo bread and smearing mayonnaise on it and eating it. Okay. And number two, in high school, putting mustard on pizza. Okay. Uh, number three, I think those are my two big ones. Those are good ones. Yeah. There's other stuff that sounds weird but makes sense, like peanut butter and chili is great because of the umami. The Again, okay. it gives yeah, you that yeah, gives yeah. you that meaty. If you're I not if you're I've not a meat eater, chili before. Yeah, yeah, it gives just gives mm-hmm. it that deep, rich thing. You know, absolutely. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, other odd flavors. I don't know. What kind of mustard were you putting? I'm sorry, I can only think about mustard. <laughs> right, that's right fine. Now. Is it the French's like like neon yellow mustard, or did it have to be like a Gildan's brown mustard? Knowing my parents, it was probably great poupon. Okay, yeah. So you put a fancier. I'm sure the jar of mustard cost more than the pizza I was putting it on. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure, of course. It's those weird inversions where the condiment costs more than the meal to which it is applied. Yeah, it's the top yeah. shelf condiments. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. The ones that come like with a But it rib. might have been French's. It might I think we had both mustards in the house. We had like the fancy mustard, which is probably for the grown ups, and then just like the garbage mustard for the kids. You know? <laughs> you get the you get the Heinz yellow. Right, right. Or your first mustard of the night is like the fancy mustard, and then as the night goes on, they start giving you the yeah. cheap mustard. You know how that you know that <laughs> I game. Watch a football game. Sure. Or have an IPA first and then it's PBR. Yeah, right, exactly. Game. Totally. <laughs> I think it was like um, that. I I just like to point out that there are few uh, culinary di- culinary delights that seem like Tim Kaine, Mike Pence, whiter than a matzo cracker with mayonnaise on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I I think maybe at the time growing up, matzo bread was maybe the most ethnic food I'd ever had, and yeah. so maybe I wanted to familiarize it by putting mayonnaise on it or something. Oh, okay. sure. But again, I love crunchy, salty things, and it's hard to get much crunchier and crispier than matzo bread. That's like true. it's pretty crispy. It dries out your mouth within the first bite. Yeah, or like no that Weetabix toast bread stuff. I love that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, well, here I we've gotten far afield. We have, but I feel right. like well, eating is the thing that uses all five of your senses. It it is, but I think I feel like we. I feel like I have an I feel like I have an answer in my head of what the best sense is. Do you do you feel like you have one? I thought that I had one coming in and it has changed. Okay. So uh, mine did as well. It was not what I thought it would be, but I will say that I've heard some very convincing arguments at this table. Mm-hmm. Have we is there anything we've left out? We haven't we talked about hearing in the sonar, we talked yep. about sight. We talked about uh, taste and touch, taste and touch, smell, smell. We've eliminated common and extra, yeah, extra, um, and uh, and sound fiscal. Yes, um, non. We've eliminated yeah. that non. as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is any of that. Yeah, that is not what happens on this podcast. So I, for me, I know David. You've already said smells the one for you. Is that right? My favorite? No. no. Is that the one that you thought was the best? No, no I think it's the most. Okay, you want me to? You were trying I to eliminate know. it first. Smell is the most underrated sense. Okay, that's my new. That's my new theory. Yes, because Mark reminded me of smell's connection to nostalgia. Yes, mm-hmm. and You're I'm an extremely nostalgic person. The sense, I would put it this way: I don't know what the best sense is because I think the best you have to know which one gives you the most pleasure and also which one is the most valuable to you, which one you would be most loath to give up. 
But I would say that I have a feeling that in my life, when I look at the sum total of my life, the sense that has brought me the most happiness is hearing. Conversation, music, uh, information. I think for me, it's got to be hearing. I was ready to dismiss hearing early until you mentioned music. I thought the idea of not being able to hear music anymore, that I, I don't like. Or hear your friend's voice or like, you know, like, I feel like hearing, yeah, I feel like it's hearing for me. Sense of hearing. Okay. Mark, what do you think? Um, That's, yeah, that it, over the course of this conversation, I don't know, I came in fully, I came in fully on team site. Right. Just from a purely scientific uh, standpoint. But... The idea of not ever being able to hear music again. Uh, and there's, as there's, there's a lot of nostalgia in that too. Um, I would, uh, I would be willing to, uh, I would, I would be willing to hitch my wagon to hearing as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, allow me to say, people of the world, uh, when my wife Jennifer and I were first dating, one of the things I fell in love with about oh, her. This is going to be a long one. Was her laugh. She has, Five to ten distinct laughs that I've cataloged, that I remember. I know what each of them means. I love hearing all of them. And that's the thing. I love hearing all of them. I love the sound of, of different types of music. I love the way that hearing allows me to experience the world and uh, to learn things about people, to learn inflection. I mean, this is – I've been chasing the dream of being a voice actor for for 15 years. If I couldn't hear – I wouldn't be able to pick up on any different voices that I'm able to do or hear what other people are doing and communicate with them. Now, if you are deaf, probably you're not listening to this podcast, but maybe you are. Maybe you're you're uh, experiencing it some other way. This is not a knock on you. The Whatever best sense we picked was going to leave someone out in the cold because they don't have that sense. So we're not saying you aren't fully capable. We're saying it's a shame that you can't experience the best sense, which is hearing, asked and answered, Craig. And everybody else. Funny that a podcast, an audio podcast, yeah. would pick the sense of hearing as the uh, most. I know. If this was a comic book, if this argument was taking place in comic book form, yeah. I wonder if it would still go with hearing. Or, or on a plate. Yeah. Right. It would be it was, the most- if this argument was presented in a, as a series of dishes in a meal, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the most esoteric way of presenting an argument <laughs> or by eating it. If it was presented probably- as a feather run across your forearm. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, David Reese, thank you for being here today. Yes. Thank, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And you have a podcast right now that's going on uh, that that people can can listen to at electionprofitmakers.com. Correct. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Election Profit Makers is a guide to winning and losing money on the 2016 campaign using online prediction markets, specifically the website predictit.org, which my middle school friend John and I are uh, trying to make money on. And and you have made money so far, yeah? I've made a little money. John has made more than me. John is John's <laughs> John's gains I think can be measured in the thousands. My gains I think I've made thirty dollars. Okay. Um but it will end the day after the election. It's a limited run podcast. So but, there's only seventeen episodes total. But it's you not can just, go listen to old episodes right yeah, now yeah. in addition to in addition to uh, – you can subscribe on iTunes as well. Yeah, we figured that out. Great. That was amazing for us. <laughs> so you can go yeah. to iTunes. You can go – but go to electionprofitmakers.com. is probably the better site to sure. get to yep. to hear the podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and you had a question mark. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, that's all right. Um, I was going to ask if it's just the president's uh, presidential election or if it's all elections. Predicted.org has markets on international stuff, like international elections. They have markets on like what will Obama's approval rating be on October twentieth. They have wow. They have markets. My favorite markets are the markets where before a debate they'll put out markets like will the moderator at the debate utter the phrase Benghazi, like very specific, yeah. like wow. word related markets. They have all types of of contracts that you can take positions on. Very cool. Fantastic. Well, uh, David Reese, thank you for being here. Uh, also, uh, tell them where you, tell the folks where you, they can find you on Twitter because your Twitter feed is hilarious. Uh, uh, David underscore Reese. David oh, underscore Reese. Big and, Trump fan. Sorry. Cool. Yeah. Huge Trump fan. Uh-huh. David Reese. Uh, before, before we sign off, uh, I have to tell you the story because I don't think I've ever told you before. Okay. Before I met you, uh, at my day job, uh, my friend Justin told me about this guy who did artisanal pencil sharpening, which oh. he thought was the most hilarious and brilliant. He's like, he's trying to explain it to me, and I'm sort of getting it. Uh-huh. And then I went to the website. Oh wow! And it was, I, I mean, it's hilarious. We just summarized that very briefly for. Well, I had a pencil sharpening business, and the website was artisanalpencilsharpening.com, and I did about 2,300 pencils over the years for customers all over the world, and I wrote a book called How to Sharpen Pencils, and I toured America, and I went to Germany and Africa and did pencil sharpening demonstrations. It was a very interesting and rewarding experience. Yeah. If you uh, if you are somehow not familiar with David and his work, it is worth checking out because he is uh, a brilliant guy who has plumbed the depths of so many different things for <laughs> for your education uh-huh. and entertainment uh-huh. uh it's fantastic so thank check you very out much that's online. very kind of you there you go thanks for being here yeah this topic is closed uh we have closed the door on uh, it is hearing is the official best sense but there are many more topics to discuss so please reach out to us on twitter at we got this tweets or check out the maximum fun subreddit there is probably a flame war happening right now you can visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash we got this podcast or email us at we got this podcast at gmail.com. Thanks to live producer Ken Plume. Ken Plume in the room. That's a rhyme. I knew it was happening when I said it. Nobody bring it up ever again. Uh, thank you to researcher Kate McManus, to graphic designer Uri Kelman and QA engineer Jen Alba. Thank you, as always, to Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and award winning song, respectively. Mike, we're sorry that you can't smell. And of course, Thank you to you, our listeners. Uh, what other what other great audience would give us an opportunity to sit here at this table with David Reese? We appreciate it. Uh, for Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. We got this. Wow. Perfect sync. That was right. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We've done that little ending a bajillion times. Yeah. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.